Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I'm your host, and we have a real quick intro today because I'm not going to even try to explain what today's podcast is about. The short of it is that today's podcast is about being able to claim residency in the state of Iowa for hunting purposes due to military service, and uh, that's what today's guest is going to talk about, Mr. Aaron Stonehawker joins us today, and uh, he's going to run us through uh, some problems he's had in the past being able to claim residency as a serviceman. Uh, His wife is also in the service as well, and uh, he's going to discuss some laws that were passed and uh, a road bump that he faced uh, in claiming Iowa residency. And uh, long story short, that is what today's podcast is about. Now, If you haven't already, go visit iowasportsman.com. There's tons of great articles there, and there's also the ability to subscribe to the magazine. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to the magazine, I tell you what, it's a really good read. Lots of great writers. Uh, Many of them have already been guests on this podcast, and uh, the, the podcast is just an extension of the magazine. Uh, The magazine fills, you know, articles from waterfowl hunting, fishing, uh, conservation, absolutely everything that goes on as an outdoorsman in the great state of Iowa. So uh, head on over to iowasportsman.com and uh, sign up for the magazine today. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's podcast with Aaron Stonehawker. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Aaron Stonehawker. How you doing, man? Doing well, sir. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And uh, we have a a very interesting topic today, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But before we get into this topic, why don't you tell us where you're living at now and what do you do for a living? 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. So uh, both my wife and I um, were both uh, born and raised in Iowa. We're Iowa residents currently. Uh, she's active duty Air Force. So uh, for the last four years, we were actually stationed at Langley Air Force Base on the east coast of Virginia. And as of three months ago, I am living in Montana. So we're stationed up here at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Great Falls, Montana. Um, currently for a living, uh, I started out as a park ranger by trade. Uh, that's what I went to school for. Did that for about five years, and I got a pretty unique opportunity, actually, that I, I uh, found out about through the Iowa Sportsman is, is where it all originated, uh, to work for a company in the outdoors industry called Tacticam. They're out of Caledonia, Minnesota, and uh, they make uh, pretty much the only all-in-one lightweight uh, camera that hunters can use right on their weapon to film their hunt with, and it's a really, really neat opportunity. Uh, give me a lot of exposure and experience in the outdoors, and uh, that's where I'm trucking currently. Absolutely. So do you know uh, Chase from Rubline Marketing out of Trayer, Iowa? <laughs> I do. Yeah, he's yeah. quite the character. Yes, I yeah. do. I'm very familiar with him. Yeah, I, I know him and Big Mike. So, uh, and that's uh, yes, all, that's the, you know, the Iowa connection right there. That's it. That's exactly right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, we do a lot of our marketing through uh, through Rubline. I know that. Um, and I'm not sure if they were the ones that were responsible for getting us in the Iowa Sportsman Magazine or not, but um, that's where I found out about uh, Tacticam to start with, actually. It was my very first run-in with the Iowa Sportsman. So Perfect. definitely a small world when it comes to that kind of stuff. Perfect. So, um, you know, first off, thank you for your service, and same to your wife. Well, thank you for the support. Thank yep, you. Absolutely. And now, you can't, like, I know when it comes to whitetails, right? Iowa, man, everybody mm-hmm. wants to go hunt uh, whitetails in Iowa. <laughs> and I, although yeah. you are technically a current resident of the state, you can't complain, man. You're in, you're in Montana, right? They got everything out there. Yeah. They've got everything shy of caribou here. And those do occasionally wander through, I guess, in the Northwest uh, corner, but I don't think they're huntable, but yeah, it's a, it's a whole new world. I'll tell you that they call it big sky country. And that is a fact. I mean, it's just wide open spaces as far as you can see. Uh, vague speed limits on most of the highways. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's just it's, a suggestion. Uh, it's a great place to right? be, that's for sure. What's that? It's just a suggestion. Yes, a suggested speed limit, yes, sir. <laughs> yep. Well, isn't it? Isn't it at certain parts and times of the day or week in Montana? I don't know if it is now, but didn't it used to be where at at a certain time it be the speed limit became owner's responsibility? So if you wanted to safely drive 90 to 100 miles an hour, you could do it? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure about the time limit, but I've heard, I've heard several variations of this. And I think uh, what I've come to the conclusion on, uh, based off of a pretty reputable conversation I had, uh, the gentleman told me that um, when federal funding gets involved in like state roadways to kind of help maintain them and stuff, there has to be a posted speed limit. So, like, if you travel around where I'm at, Great Falls, most of the highways have a posted speed limit. It's kind of interesting because they have a, a daytime and a nighttime speed limit, and they're, right. they're about 10 miles an hour difference. Right. Um, but from what I've heard in, in some of the more remote uh, out-of-the-way areas, what happens is, is they used to have it uh, where you'd run into speed limit signs that, yeah, would say, at you know, drive at your own discretion or whatever to, yeah, like you said. And, and I've heard stories of guys saying, yeah, I was doing 95, and a, and a state trooper passed me going well over 100, you know, so – um, just, you know, I think that used to be a thing. I know, I don't know if that, I'm sure it still is some places, but from what I've heard is if the federal government gets involved, there has to be a posted speed limit, but it's, it's pretty liberal. I mean, the ones around here, you get out on some of these open stretches, the, the posted speed limit's 80, but more than often you're going to find people <laughs> doing 90 or better. So, I mean, it's just, it, you know, everything's so far spread apart. It's, uh, it's just, it's a whole different thing. Coming from Virginia, I tell you what, it's instead of seeing people, you know, hundreds of cars within every mile, you're seeing just wide open space. I mean, yeah. you could travel as fast as you want and you'd see anything coming a mile away. So, yeah, that uh, speed limit suggestion kind of sounds like uh, my daily, <laughs> my daily routine between Iowa City and Cedar Rapids on 380. It's craziness. Oh, yeah. Craziness. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm very familiar with that stretch. Actually, that's where uh, my wife went to. Uh, she uh, commissioned as an officer from the Air Force from the University of Iowa's uh, ROTC program, oh, nice. but she went to co-college uh, to get her degree, and I got my uh, associates in Parks and Natural Resources out of Kirkwood, so that, that stretch is, uh, like you said, it's a madhouse a lot of days. Yeah, absolutely. I'm lucky that I get to go to work <laughs> before the official before the official rush hour and on both ends. So I'm, you know, oh, I, yeah. I, I get up at 5am and then I get off work at two 30 every day. So 
I don't oh, have, you, yeah, you've yeah, got I miss the, it. the good hours there. Yeah. That's perfect. So with all this bouncing around, right, uh, yeah. with your jobs and, you know, being, being quote unquote, technically a Iowa mm-hmm. resident, that's what today's podcast yeah. is all about. And we're going to talk about, I don't, I don't know if it's a loophole. It's like the opposite of a loophole, right? Because it's it does, yeah. Yeah, it does yeah. not benefit a quote unquote Iowa resident as far as hunting rights in the state of Iowa for uh, for servicemen and women, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So why don't yep. you why don't you just break down because this is going to be an article that comes out in January of um, of 2019 in the Iowa Sportsman magazine, and we're covering it here today. So why don't you break it down for me of all these residents' rules and regulations for servicemen and women who don't live in the state but can claim residency on other aspects? So I'm going to let you take the floor. Yeah, perfect. Um, so pretty much, you know, if, if you're an active duty service member uh, from that's originated from the uh, state of Iowa where they're stationed in Iowa, or uh, in my like in my wife's case, a perfect example, born and raised in Iowa, she's an Iowa resident to this day, but the military service has called her elsewhere around the country to live. So essentially for the last uh, five-ish, close to six years, we haven't lived in the state of Iowa, but both of us maintain our Iowa residency. Because she's active duty, uh, Iowa has a pretty awesome system for those guys and gals that are out there serving the country uh, on active duty service. So the way that works for her, if she's ever back in the state of Iowa during hunting season and she wants to go hunt, uh, she doesn't have to purchase a hunting license and she doesn't have to get tagged. So what happens is she has to carry her leave papers on her. And in the event she goes out and harvests a deer or a turkey or whatever the case is, she calls the local game warden and they issue her a tag for that animal um, as their way to kind of thank that member for their service. It's a, a very cheap way for them to come back home and hunt. Uh, there's not a lot of really uh, restrictions on them. The gray area that I ran into, um, I, I was kind of in a, a, a one-two punch situation, I guess, when because when I was first living in Virginia there, I was still an active member member of the Air National Guard. I moved from Iowa and transferred to the Virginia Air National Guard for two years. And, uh, and while all this was going on, I was also the spouse of an active duty military member. So I was kind of covered for my residency qualifications for the state of Iowa in two different ways. So as a, as a guardsman, when I moved to the state of Virginia, because I was currently an Iowa resident, they gave me the choice. They said, you can, you can choose where you want to you know, claim residency at for tax purposes and everything else. Uh, they highly, highly, highly encouraged me through the military finance office to maintain my Iowa residency for tax purposes, just because it's a lot cheaper, apparently, than uh, when I found out Virginia is a very expensive place to live, uh, especially when it comes to the, their taxes and everything. Um, so I, I decided to do that. So for tax liability and all that good stuff, uh, my paychecks had taxes payable to the state of Iowa. Anytime I got paid from the Air National Guard in Virginia, um, as well as my civilian career. So being a guardsman, you have a civilian life and you've got your military life. You get the best of both worlds there. Uh, and my civilian career was a park ranger. So I worked for the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia as a state park ranger there at Chip Oaks Plantation State Park. At the end of every single year, uh, Iowa doesn't pull taxes out during the entire uh, you know tax year there. But at the end of the year, I am responsible to pay the state of Iowa um, any taxes that were not collected for the state income tax that I owe the state. So Anyway, so for that purpose, uh, I'm an Iowa resident. And then um, there's a thing called the Military Spouse Residency Relief Act. It was actually passed, I believe, by President Obama. And uh, what that does is it makes it easier for military spouses, children, you know, immediate family of that military member that are moving around with them as they're getting stationed in different places to maintain a home of residency in one place. Um, you know, so basically the way that breaks down is my wife being an Iowa resident and myself being an Iowa resident to start this whole uh, military career. When she moves somewhere else, she has the option to maintain her home of record, which in our case is Iowa, or she can, uh, in that case, we went to Virginia. She could have moved it to Virginia. Um, and whatever decision she makes, I have the right uh, as her spouse to make the same decision. So um, if I want to, I can maintain my residency in Iowa, which I did. Or I could have, uh, you know, for living there after 90 days, I could have went through the residency process to become a Virginia resident, but I decided obviously not to do that with my guards uh, stuff for taxes. And then, you know, after I made that decision with taxes, a little light bulb went off and I was like, yeah, that would have been stupid because like you said, I can't go home and hunt deer and I was a non-resident. So um, it, it worked out for me, uh, what I thought was going to work out to me to my advantage for a, my biggest passion in life, which is hunting and fishing. Uh, you know, going home, hunting with my dad and, and my brother and family and friends and that good stuff. I thought that was going to work out. And then also 
um, you know, have the tax benefits of being an Iowa resident as well in that situation. So um, covered under a few different boats there. And uh, I'll try to do the, the quick version. Um, it's a pretty passionate subject for me, so I'll do my best. So anyway, um, pretty much about a year into our stint there in Virginia, both of us Iowa residents, you know, everything was going great that way. Uh, we had a, a pretty emotion-filled weekend that came upon us. My brother-in-law was getting married uh, to his new wife, and then uh, my mother's brother had died, and the funeral service was going to be like on the exact same weekend back in Iowa. So we uh, decided to take a week of leave, head back to Iowa for that. Uh, we took a leave a week of leave ahead of that weekend, and of course it was it was right in the middle of October. Bow season was open, and I said, you know what, um, I'm going to bring my bow back and and go home and, and hunt for a couple of days while I got some time, you know, just because I, I don't even know if I'd even hunted in Virginia yet, but it just seemed like a good idea to be back in Iowa with a bow in my hand and, and go clear your head in the woods. So I went home, uh, went up to my local hardware store one day, bought my tag, bought my license. You know, I still got my Iowa driver's license. I hand that to them. They scan it, print out my tag license, pay for it, go home. And uh, that evening I actually had the very, I had a, a pretty awesome opportunity to harvest a mature doe. I did it with my bow. It was awesome. Um, got the whole thing on film for the first time. It was my first year ever on film, you know, film the whole process and, uh, just pretty, pretty darn excited about it. So then we get into the weekend and I get a phone call from my mom. I'm on the, the party bus, um, at the wedding there on the party bus between the, the reception and the ceremony. And my mom calls and she said, Hey, you got time to talk. The game wardens are here to talk to you. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, what do they want to talk about? And before she could give me an answer, she handed the phone to him. And, uh, it was one of the gentlemen, I believe it was a Guthrie County warden. He, uh, he just told me he had some basic questions he wanted to ask me. He said my name had come up in something that they wanted to talk about. And I said, no, that's no problem. Let's go ahead and get those questions answered for you. So because I was busy that night, he said, let's just meet up in the morning uh, tomorrow, and we'll get you, you know, ask you a few questions, get you on your way, and we'll be good. And I said, all right. So I met up with them, and we kind of went in this rat race of, you know, just asking real generic questions. And I, and I had informed them that, you know, I'm, I'm living in Virginia the last couple of years. You know, I don't know really how much help I'm going to be if you're asking about stuff that's happened here or, or maybe some things that are going on in the local area. Uh, you know, I've kind of been out of the loop for a while. And we get around to telling hunting stories. And I told him I just shot a deer. And he goes, oh, no kidding. You shot one, huh? And I said, yep. I said, I just got one. I said, I got my tag the other day and got a doe that night. And it was pretty awesome. And uh, they end up wanting to go out and, and inspect, you know, the, the place that I'd killed the deer. So I took them out there and they did that. And during this time, there was, there was two game wardens there. There was another one, I believe it was a Dallas County uh, game warden there. And while uh, the Guthrie County officer was investigating the kill site, um, the other gentleman, he asked me, you know, for my, my hunting license, my driver's license, all that good stuff. And when I gave him my Iowa driver's license, he turns around and he goes, why do you still have an Iowa driver's license? You're living in Virginia. You said you've been living there for like a year, right? And I said, yeah. But I said, I'm an Iowa resident. You know, I've, I've maintained my Iowa residency while we've been there. We're there on military orders. Um, you know, I have that ability to do that, which is why in this case, you know, I maintain my Iowa driver's license. I pay taxes in the state of Iowa. I register my vehicle in Iowa. I've still got Iowa plates, uh, pay those taxes and fees and everything. And it turned into kind of a, a circular argument. He just, he didn't, I don't know if he didn't understand those rules or regulations or whatever, but he was convinced I was wrong for being in Iowa or maintaining my Iowa records and, and getting an Iowa hunting license uh, while being able to live in Virginia and not have to be a Virginia resident. So it was kind of this confusing thing on there. And so we went around in circles for a while. And the next thing you know, it was time to, to head off to my uncle's funeral. So they, they gave me my stuff back and let me go. And they just told me they'd be in touch. And um, I believe it was the Guthrie County warden. He just told me, you know, as long as I could produce, uh, a record showing that I pay taxes out of my military pay um, to the state of Iowa that that's what he needed to see. So when I got home that night, I produced my LES to them. Uh, it shows obviously that, I, you know, in my guard paycheck, I pay X amount of dollars to the state of Iowa out of every check. And he texted me back, said, hey, that's good to go. That's all I needed to see. So the next day we're, uh, we're butchering the deer, me and my dad, and getting ready to pack it all up and, and pack the car to head back to Virginia the following day. And I got a call from the Dallas County warden and he asked a few more questions and then he, he kind of think a light bulb went off in his head and he said, okay, so this is why it didn't make sense to me. He said, you're national guard and which I had told them several times before. Um, but this time, you know, he understood that I was national guard. I was not active duty. And in that case, he said, you don't qualify to hunt in the state as a resident. And I obviously followed up with those questions. I said, how does that make sense that I can't hunt in the state as a resident when I am a legal resident of the state of Iowa? We just happen to be living in Virginia. I don't claim residency there. Uh, and I, you know, obviously, like I just said, I pay taxes to the state of Iowa out of all my checks. I, you know, I vote in the state of Iowa. I 
uh, register my vehicle, maintain driver's license, the whole nine yards. My home of record at that time was still in Iowa. So all these different things, but the one thing I can't do is hunt there. It didn't make sense. Huh. And he said, no, by, by, by hunting definition, by he's like, by tax definition, you might qualify to be a resident of the state of Iowa, but by the hunting definitions, you do not qualify to hunt in the state as a resident, which, you know, of course, you know, being a, a huge hunter and, and kind of, that was kind of crushing in a way because you're like, man, I, of all the things I wanted to do to, to maintain my Iowa residency, hunting is probably the biggest one that means the most to me. Like you getting to come home, like I said, hunt with my dad and the, you know, shotgun parties we used to go hunt with and all that good stuff, just all the good stuff about being an Iowa sportsman is just like down the drain all of a sudden, but I'm still obligated to maintain all the other pieces of the residency factor that cost me money. Right. So, um, that, you know, just, it really didn't sit right. But at the end of the day, he passed it up to uh, a gentleman at the, the governor's office at that time or the, the state house there who, uh, I believe Aaron Arthur's his name. I don't know if he still works there, but he was the gentleman that, that kind of sat in the position that had to make the determinations in these cases of, um, you know, does someone qualify or does someone not qualify to be a resident for the state for hunting purposes? And uh, they made the determination that I did not. Uh, and I, it was never really clear to me what factor they used to say that, okay, you are not a, uh, able to hunt here as a resident. So um, they pretty much just let me know, hey, uh, if you do come back to the state of Iowa, you're going to pay non-resident pricing. Um, I, I haven't tried to deer hunt there. I've, I've came back for Tacticam to turkey hunt a couple of times and, and bought my non-resident license and non-resident turkey tag uh, for that. But I have not tried deer hunting, so I don't even know if I'd have to apply for points or if because I'm an Iowa resident, if I just buy a tag but pay non-resident prices. I, I haven't really uh, discovered that piece yet because it's it's hard it's a hard pill to swallow to to pay that kind of money to come hunt a deer when um, you know, like you said, you're living other places where it's a little bit cheaper to hunt deer anyway. So. Um, yeah, it was just, it was kind of this big thing. It was really confusing. So pretty much what it prompted in me is I'm going to get home and do all the research I can to find out where in this whole mess do I not qualify for the smallest piece of the pie here, hunting privileges of all things, but I fit in the category of a resident for all these other places. So, you know, like I said, I, uh, I started looking into all the different laws that Iowa has and, and the qualifications of what an Iowa resident is. Uh, essentially, people in my position being uh, now that I'm an, not uh, an active member of the National Guard, I'm qualified under the military spouse um, with that Spouse Residency Relief Act. And uh, so I can maintain my home of record and, like I said, all the same things with taxes and the whole nine yards there. Um, but I, according to the state at this point in time, which is this is kind of the whole goal of, of the article, um, I'm just kind of shedding light on the subject. To, it just doesn't make sense the way that Iowa's rules kind of they fit around this, this subject here although residents of the state in my position, um, you know, were for one reason or another, you're able to maintain your residency, um, but not be able to exercise that privilege to, to hunt in the state as a resident. So, um, yeah, looking through everything, I mean, people in my position are military members in general and their families, you know, when you look at the breakdown of what Iowa in, and Iowa's, I, I could probably look it up here quick. Um, let's see here. I had it brought up. So the, the definition that Iowa uses for, it's kind of a big, long, drawn-out um, thing, and I actually I have it listed in the, uh, in the article, and that comes out in January. You can see in there, it, it talks about, uh, it's got some statements in there, you know, saying it's, it's, a, it's a matter of intent for the most part is the way Iowa looks at residency. So with, you know, it's kind of like a voluntary consent piece saying, like, I, I am only agreeing to have one home, and that home is in Iowa. Like, every person that has a, or is a resident of somewhere, you're a resident of one place at one time. That's, that's just how it works. Now, obviously this military situation, you know, for military purposes, federal purposes, pulls you out of that state, puts you somewhere else, but your home, you know, is technically still in Iowa. And uh, so that piece is, is kind of broken down and they've got like 16 different clauses they use to make uh, residency determinations in cases where they have to try to figure out if someone qualifies or if they do not. Military members and their families qualify for over 50% of those, just point blank period, no questions asked. And then the other ones of the other uh, eight or nine that are there, um, just cruising through that when I was doing this article, I figured out that really four of those are irrelevant to a military uh, or a military family just because of the way they, they read. And then um, under the under the hunting regulations, that's kind of where it, it that's that's the piece that they were trying to say. I didn't qualify for the Iowa resident definition of, a, of for hunting licenses, but you qualify for all these other things uh, to be a, a legal resident of the state. And so the hunting license regulations 
Um, they break down three different pieces that like, if you're not just someone that's living in the state, you know, you have a home there, you have a job there, you live there 365 days a year, you're a no questions asked resident. There's some, you know, brief clauses they give. I think there's three or four of them um, that break down different things, you know, for students, uh, out-of-state students, in-state students. And then there's the one about the military member. Um, the military member clause, here, I can pull that one up so I can, I don't want to butcher it. They, uh, let's see here. So basically, yeah. let, let me let me ask you this then. Yeah. Yep. Were you claiming? Okay, so you were claiming residency of Iowa, but when you were in, let's say, Virginia or currently Montana, are you able to hunt as a resident in those states as well? It depends on the on the state. Each state's got its own regulations, and that's so. Yeah, through this whole thing, um, you know, it's kind of the the way the Iowa regulations read on. Um, the residency, it makes a p person in my particular position, uh, you know, stationed out of state with a family member or whatever the case is. It, and it really only applies to military. That's that's even the, the kind of the other factor on it that doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me is that this regulation really only applies to someone in a, in a very unique position. Uh, it's probably only a handful of people that actually meet this criteria that they would fall in this gray area. Um, so I really feel it should be a black and white deal. But, yeah, the state of Iowa they have a clause in there that says you are not allowed to claim dual residency. And that's after the qualifications of what a residency says. And that was really looking back on this whole case and how it all shook out for me. That was the one piece that I feel like they, they may or may not have used to kind of make that determination. And when it says you can't claim dual residency, it doesn't talk about, um, you know, for a person in my particular position in that case, um, Virginia is a great example. They, in their hunting regulations, they allow military members stationed in the state, um, which we both were when we moved out there. And then when I got out, uh, it, it also states and their immediate family members, so children, spouses, et cetera, you know, immediate family of that military member stationed in the state with them to hunt under residency pricing, essentially. And, and they're not, uh, you know, they don't have to worry about paying non-resident licensing and applying and all that other stuff. Um, they can just pretty much go in, you show your military ID and you go ahead and you make your purchase of your hunting license and tags and all that good stuff. So that was like, you just, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think that was the one piece in that even in itself is a gray area to me because what that's telling me is the state of Iowa is telling a military member or a military member and their family in that sense that they would have to choose between um, a privilege that another state is offering them to say, thank you for your service and Iowa and the ability to hunt in Iowa because for every other reason you're an Iowa resident you're not claiming residency in the state of Virginia you just for one small piece of their pie they're saying hey thanks for your service you can uh, instead of paying out-of-state pricing you pay in-state pricing for our tags thanks for your service and there's no residency qualification there there's no claiming of residency there to qualify for that um, nothing about it is stating residency for Virginia and then in Montana uh, that's a good question too. Uh, Montana, if you're listed on the order, so if you're a family member like myself, um, my wife obviously has active duty orders to be in the state. For her, she has to wait a period of 30 days and she can go in and buy her hunting and fishing licenses and she can pay in state pricing. Uh, because I am listed on her orders as a dependent, I am also eligible for that. So as long as the military member uh, and their family or children or whoever is listed on um, listed on the orders for that member, then they do qualify in the state of Montana as well. I haven't looked into all 50 states, but the two states I've lived in both have military clauses that say, hey, if you're a military family, military or family thereof stationed in the state, you do qualify for in-state pricing. But again, there's nothing there's nothing about legal residency that's attached to either one of those statements. Right. So it's kind of a, you're not, you're never a legal resident of anywhere else other than Iowa. You ju It's just the ability to take advantage of a an opportunity that those states give you, you know, for serving your country. Right. Seems, seems a bit complicated, uh, to me. Mm -hmm. And it sounds to me like the department of natural resources as once they're quote unquote, Iowa resident recipients, obviously if you live in the state, you're an Iowa resident, um, right? you know, in a, in a situation like yours, it's, it gets a little complicated, but it sounds like they want their quote unquote residents to live in the state of Iowa. And that seems like it's the only hang up here. Does that, does that make sense yeah. to you? 
Yeah, no, okay. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think yeah. Iowa does a pretty good job, you know, being a, a guy that was born and raised there. You know, I've seen the effects of, of out-of-state hunting directly affect places I used to hunt growing up and, and, you know, kind of limiting places to go. You know, you watch a lot of great land that people used to just say, hey, yeah, go have at it, go kill all the deer. I don't want to meet my corn. And now, you know, if you want to hunt there, you're going to pay two grand for the lease for the year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they do it. I think that is the whole goal of the state of Iowa is, you know, the rules around the non-resident factor are trying to limit that to as much as they can. Um, you know, to, to protect the people that are there living there that, you know, they want those guys to be able to go out and hunt and fish and enjoy the state just as much as anybody. So right. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it, it is. It's a, it is a complex situation, but that's kind of the, the point of the article there. And even my whole argument and the, the stuff that I went through, um, through the whole process of trying to, to get that amended or changed is more or less to cover what, what it would break down to, I guess, is covering the military member as well as their family in that situation, because, um, you know, I had an interesting conversation on social media one day um, on one of the Iowa uh, hunting forums or whatever it's on there. And a general, somebody was asking about a certain bow hunting regulation or something. And so I just kind of fished in my two cents. Well, this is an issue that I've seen come up. You know, what do you guys think about this? And I had a, uh, I had a gentleman respond to me and I, out of my surprise, he was a, he was an army veteran apparently. And uh, he was kind of opposed to me on the issue, which really surprised me because he was a military member himself. And my, you know, so digging a little deeper with him, I asked him, you know, uh, you know, what about, his family members that would go with him, you know, like if, if he was stationed in Texas, let's say, you know, his family, wife, kids, and everything else would uproot their lives and go to Texas with the member. That's just part of it. Uh, and he, he had the opinion that that was an active choice of the spouse at that point to, they, they could either choose to stay in the state or they could choose to go to the state of Texas in this example, um, you know, but they didn't have to. And so therefore they would willing, willfully give up their rights or whatever residency they would have in Iowa even though they'd still be Iowa residents, they would give up that privilege of hunting as a choice to go move to a different state, which I thought was kind of a, a pretty bland argument in the sense of, I, I don't know if there's any family out there that would, you know, a, a, right. especially husband, wife, kids, the whole nine yards, right. That would, that would actually make a decision to stay in, to stay thousands of miles away from the military member in order to maintain their hunting rights. You know, that's just yeah. kind of obsolete, but, right. but the, uh, it was just interesting to see kind of different point of views. And we had, a, there was a couple of good conversations that came out of it, but yeah, it just, it doesn't make sense to me that a person would have to, if they make the conscious choice, which in our, my case, I make a, a conscious decision every time we move to maintain my Iowa residency, because now that I'm not military myself, if I live in a state for more than 90 days, you know, if I'm not covered under what my wife is, you know, active duty military spouse, um, and the, the military residency, um, or spouse residency relief act or whatever, um, you know, I, I would have to, at that point, forfeit whatever residency I had become a residency of the new state, but I don't have to in this situation. I can, if I want to, right. but I don't have to. So I make the conscious decision to still pay taxes to the state of Iowa every year, still register my car. there, still maintain an Iowa driver's license, still vote with absentee ballots, the whole nine yards, everything about it, except for hunting. That's the and one same thing as your wife, right? And I can't do. Your wife does yes, all the same stuff. Right. So it sounds to me like this could be solved in a very simple way, right? If you're the spouse of an active military and that, and that spouse, your spouse claims residency in Iowa, then there's, there shouldn't be a problem. But however, there, this is where I I think there could be some gray area, right? Where Mm -hmm. if your spouse, if your wife was claiming residency, let's say like in Illinois, and you were trying to claim residency in Iowa, right, mm-hmm. as an as mm-hmm. non-active, I feel like that would probably throw uh, throw a wrench into things. But if your if if your wife has orders to be in Montana and that keeps her out of where she wants to live, which is uh, Iowa, then you should mm-hmm. be able to have the same rights as your wife does because you know she's active and she's there by order. I just. Uh, you know, it, yeah, and that's actually that's what that covers, actually. So I could not. Now you brought up the example of let's say she we get stationed in Illinois and she decides to convert her residency to Illinois for whatever reason. At that point, I have to, as her spouse, I have to switch my residency to Illinois. I cannot uh-huh. maintain my Iowa or residency at that point. You know, if we're living there for more than ninety days or whatever the the residency clause where I would have to forfeit my residency in Iowa, I'm only covered as long as she maintains her residency. 
so the way it works, you know, from the nuts and bolts of it is both both parties, so me and my wife, had to have originally been Iowa residents. This applies to any state, but in this case, Iowa. We both had to originate as Iowa residents while she enlisted into the military or, or uh, commissioned in the military, rather. And then whenever she gets stationed, that she maintains the right to choose if she wants to keep her home of record in Iowa or wherever we go. And as long as she doesn't change, I don't have to change. But the second that she does decide, hey, you know, let's become Montana residents, for example, then, okay, Aaron's got to become a Montana resident too. Right, right. So, I and I think over the last, I, I want to say inside 10 years, this this law or this rule has changed about what makes an Iowa resident an Iowa resident for hunting purposes because I heard rumors and I think this is some of the reason why they actually changed this was there were people who were claiming Iowa residencies but living most of their time in a different state and mm-hmm. they would get a P.O. box and their mail would go to their this P.O. box. So that way they could say, here's here's all my mail. It goes, you know, 90% of my mail goes to you know, goes to this PO box, which was located in Iowa. And I, Mm -hmm. and I think some guys were even going to the extent of renting apartments and keeping it empty for, for X amount of days, uh, you know, or, or keeping Mm -hmm. it, um, and, and having a gas bill even, right. So they had to have a utilities bill or something like that. The utility bill. yeah. Yeah. So there were people going to that extent to be able to hunt Iowa every single year. And it was enough to where the DNR got a whiff of this stuff. And they're like, okay, (laughs) this is a loophole. Uh, We have to put a stop to it. So, right. So, and and I don't know if, you know, if they were even going to the extent of getting, you know, getting Iowa driver's license or probably not, because I'm sure if you, you live in another state, they're going to make you, pay you know property taxes or i don't i don't even know how it all works out but that's i heard yeah no you're right yeah i heard that that's uh, how it happens so you know typically what happens is when and and that's this is with any law when people start to take advantage of loopholes then the government just squeezes it and says okay we are not going to let anybody <laughs> be residents. We don't care what your story is. People take advantage yeah. of it. We're going to we're gonna uh, put an end to it. It kind of sounds like you are the unfortunate victim of, of something like that happening. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's kind of the thing, you know, and, and I've, I've gone through quite a bit of a process with it, you know, just trying to, to figure out what avenues I can work with to try to get it amended in the sense of like, like you just said, I'm, it's not a, a complete overhaul. I get what they're trying to do here. Right. But uh, for the very, very few people and maybe that, maybe that's how they look at it. It's going to affect so few people. We don't care, but you know, the people they're affecting in this case are people who are stationed other places and me being a veteran myself, uh, you know, obviously supporting my wife who's active duty and a huge proponent for the military. I don't feel uh, that it's right that it, that those are the people that it negatively affects who are honestly wanting to keep that Iowa residency because that's where their family and friends are from. They're going to come back there and visit, you know, like I said, growing up there, that's where all my hunting buddies are. I'd like to go back there and, and enjoy that little piece of it too. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, and it, like you said, it's just, you got to squeeze to make sure that people can't abuse it. And, and Iowa is a big place that gets abused a lot. And that's, that was part of it. You know, I think that I got so passionate about it on was, um, you know, because the state has loopholes that a lot of people know about, especially as out of state hunting now. And, and like you said, Iowa is the epicenter of the big buck, you know, uh, imagination thing. And it's just, you know, everybody wants to be there. So, um, you know, but for people to be able to have loopholes where I, you know, I know people who've abused it that, you know, they would do the thing where you'd go to party hunt every year and they'd pay some guy a couple thousand dollars to rent the property. And, uh, he'd have a huge trophy buck waiting for him, but they have to, all they had to do is buy a, an over-the-counter doe tag, but they're going to go there and shoot the buck, but tag it with the landowner's tag. You know, all these different, like, like, and then the ones you mentioned of guys being able to, uh, you know, Iowa has like three or four things on there. Like you said, the, um, the utility bills, one, a mailing address is one. You got to live in the state for a certain amount of days, all that stuff. But people find loopholes to do that. But someone that's trying to do it the honest way that is a legal resident of the state, you know, I pay all my tax dollars there. Those guys don't. 
you know, that's a, that's a big difference. Yeah. And I think that even you can even, and I'm not a hundred percent accurate on this either. This is just a, uh, so don't quote me on this. People may want to look it up. I'd, ha- I'd hate to say something that's not true, but I also think in Iowa that you can get a landowner's tag if you lease property and then sublease the farming rights to that. So you you don't actually oh, really? have to be a farmer. It's, I think it's called a tenant tag to where mm-hmm. you can say you're farming it, get the tag, but then lease out all the farming rights to somebody else. And that I think that qualifies you for a non um, a landowner's tag when in all actuality you're not wow. a landowner or a farmer or te- technically a tenant. It's just a loophole yeah. through a contract. So um, I think there's a lot of people who do that as well. Uh, again, yeah, I, th- I, I mean, if that is an, if that is a possibility, it definitely would be an easy one to, to get through for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So again, there's a 99% chance I'm wrong on that <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I'm wrong a lot, but anyway, well, like you said, and that's, that's what it opened my eyes to really, you know, is, is really breaking it down. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I had to dig on some of this stuff trying to find, you know, okay, so why am I qualified to be a legal resident of the state? And why am I not qualified for hunting and, and then all these different definitions and the laws that cover me as a military member, or military spouse and the whole nine yards. And like you said, you do have to dig right. uh, to kind of find some of these things. But if you dig enough, there's, there's just the guys that'll dig under the fence as guys that are trying to build a bridge over it. So, right. so bitching and complaining, we can all do that and we can all do it really <laughs> well. Right. So yep. in yep. order for things to get changed, that takes a little action. What actions sure. have you taken to try to get this law, like you said, amended? Yeah, so I, I've taken a couple. So uh, obviously when it first started, um, there was a lot of phone calls back and forth with the game wardens that were involved and different things like that and trying to figure out what processes I need to find. Um, when I got back home, I did a ton of research trying to figure out, okay, so just so I can lay it out here as blatantly as possible, you know, like why this makes sense that it should cover the military's family as well. Um uh, one of my first steps, I called. Uh, I, I'm going to butcher this too, and you can definitely look it up. There's a there's a, a commission in our state legislature. I want to say it's a natural resource commission that makes decisions on the uh, the hunting and the DNR and the fishing regulations stuff like that. And I got pointed in their direction to. I actually got on the phone with the chairman at the time, and I don't remember his name. I had it all written down at one point, but with moving, uh, it's gotten probably packed still in a box. But anyway. I, I gave that gentleman a call one day, um, and that was kind of my first eye opener as to kind of maybe the the process that goes into this and and the battle that someone's going to have to put into to or like you said, kind of the grind someone's going to have to put in to get something changed. So this gentleman, I hopped the phone with him. You know, we we did the Iowa to Iowa thing, and you know, went back and forth, got to know each other a little bit, and we finally got to the nuts and bolts of the conversation. You know, I, I presented it to him, and he stopped me about halfway through. Um, you know, kind of me laying out like all these different things that I do qualify for, you know, and why it would make sense that I should qualify for my hunting rights too. Um, and he just kind of, he almost like laughed me off the phone a little bit. He, he just stopped me in my tracks and said, you know what, son? He said, you know, it sounds like you got a good thing put together, but in all honesty, you know, I'm really looking to retire in the next year or two. And, you know, why don't you try again next year? I mean, it was just that cut and dry, just, you know, come back later. You know, I don't want to deal with that kind of thing. And, so that's that a politician kind of a little bit that was a politician that was a politician that was a that was someone sitting at the head of the natural resource commission yep i, I that was exactly right and so to me you know of course my eyes kind of rolled to the back of my head thinking okay yeah exactly like i'm talking to you know i got a politician at this point you know but holy um, cow so that that kind of yeah and it was very eye-opening to me it definitely burned a bridge on my end uh and at that point i'm like okay if this guy's the guy who's the head of the people that are going to be able to write this in paper and make it happen. You know, what am I up against to even try messing with this? Is it even worth it? Well, then I, I, uh, and actually, so one of the game wardens I had talked with, um, uh, uh, the one from Guthrie County, I believe he pointed me in a different direction kind of like what you and I just talked about a little earlier about, you know, maybe the decision was made because you're hunting with the resident privileges in Virginia and they see that as a conflict with that, you know, you can't claim to a residency clause in there. So he said, maybe if you give up your right or, or your privilege or whatever of hunting in Virginia as a resident, then maybe they'll open it back up to say, yeah, you do actually qualify for Iowa if you don't 
you know, accept the privileges from another state. And it's like, okay, that makes sense. And honestly, it was way cheaper to hunt in Virginia as a non-resident than it is in Iowa. So that made sense. Plus, like I said, all the things where I want to come home and hunt with my family and friends, that would open that door again. So I give him a call and that conversation was a dead end too. I, I took it on my lunch break actually. And um, the gentleman made it, he, he kind of did the same thing. I started laying out, you know, all these different things of, you know, here's what I think happened and here's the, you know, the facts of the thing and all that. And he kind of stopped me halfway through again. And he, he goes, you know what, Aaron, he said, I'm very, very familiar with your case, actually. Um, you know, the way it got presented to me, it sounded like you shot the deer without a tag and then you purchased a tag later, like point blank, typically you know, on the phone, accused me of poaching the deer. And he said, you know, and honestly, you just point blank don't qualify to be a resident for hunting privileges. And of course, you know, getting accused of something like that, you get real fired up real quick. And so the conversation really didn't go that well after that. <laughs> we kind of went in circles a little bit, but I have video evidence of me tagging the animal 15 minutes after I shot it. You know, when the whole nine yards documenting it for me in the tree stand, shooting the animal to going down, walking across the the woods and, and tagging it. So it's, that's irrelevant. But the point then, I then it really made me start wondering, okay, if, if that's the information he has, where did he get that information? I want to know that. Uh, why are they, why is he, you know, not wanting to even talk to me about this? And if, if he's going to tell me that, I want to know the case evidence of where they got that information. And he couldn't provide me with that either. He just didn't want to talk about it. So I tried to my best to let that go in one year, not the other. And, uh, and so then I got a hold of, uh, I, I, I went back and forth with the game wardens a little bit, just trying to, figure out where I could go next. And Jeremy, uh, Jeremy King's the gentleman's name, Guthrie County game ward. He's a heck of a good guy. I gave him a call after one of those. And he said, you know what, Aaron, he said, being, you know, the fact when you told me that you pay Iowa taxes and that you're a veteran and your wife's in the military, he said, as far as I'm concerned, you guys and every veteran should be able to come back home and hunt whenever they want. If they're a resident of the state, that shouldn't be an issue at all. Um, you know, but unfortunately it sounds like I can't really help you much because I'm not the decision maker. You talk to some of these guys, you know, best of luck, but I, you know, I really don't have a lot for you. Maybe try calling some of like the state legislators and guys like that, like the, the senators and stuff, maybe they could help. Um, so I, then I got, a, I had a couple conversations with the other game warden from Dallas County uh, and his impression or the impression I got from him was more or less like he asked me a couple of questions that really stuck out. One, he was like, why is this so important to you? Why do you really care to come back here and hunt as a resident? Which, you know, if, if anybody's grew up in Iowa and you love the great outdoors and, and the fact you're an Iowa resident, that's kind of a, a, a question he could answer himself, really. Um, but I, I laid it all out for him as well and said, you know, this is why I feel so passionate about it. This is why I would like to get this amended. I don't see that it's a huge change or opening a loophole for other people. Uh, and he just kind of more or less said good luck with that. And that was the long and short of that. So then I waited a couple months and I actually got a hold of, uh, I finally, finally, finally got a hold of somebody in the governor's office. And her name, I don't know her last name. Her name was Julie. Um, she was fantastic. She heard what I had to say. She was kind of just like, you're like, wow, you know, that totally makes sense. Why, if you're doing all these other things as a resident, paying the state money, can't you come back and hunt in the state as a resident? That makes no sense at all. And she was getting the ball rolling. She'd call me every couple of weeks and update me on the progress of the situation and who she was working with and this and that. It was like, I was like, wow, this is actually going to happen. This is really cool. And then we, uh, I hadn't heard from her for a couple months and I thought, well, well, maybe she just got busy or whatever. And uh, I gave her office a call and it rang through to some, some guy this time. And he goes, Oh, actually, Julie doesn't work here anymore. Uh, you know, what are you calling about? And so I let him know. And I said, you know, who would be in charge of that now? He said, well, we don't have a replacement yet, but we'll, um, I'll take your name and number down. We'll get you in touch with when we do have a replacement for her. And I said, okay, that's great. And I waited another month or two, nothing happened. And so I called back again. Well, another lady answered this time and she was the replacement. They just never called me back on it. And I asked her, I said, you know, I, I don't know if, if you had any time to work with uh, Julie on the, the processes or anything that I had going on with her. And she goes, no, I'm not real familiar with it. Just go ahead and explain it to me. So I laid it all out for her. And she goes, oh, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do to, to get it started again. I don't really have a lot to work with, but, you know, we'll see what we can do. And I never heard from her again. I, I waited a couple of weeks, called her back, left messages and did that a couple of different times. And I never did receive a phone call back. And at that point, you know, I was talking with my dad about it one day. He's like, you know, Honestly, you know, man, it's it's probably just not worth fighting over, you know, just let it go. Um, you know, I had a lot of people tell me that. And it's just, it, I think part of it is just the fact that it's just something I see is, um, you know, for the, for the person who is a legitimate resident of the state, it shouldn't be a question of if they can, you know, utilize their privileges to hunt. 
and then the fact that it's affecting it, it, most the the people it's negatively affecting is like these military members and their families. And if it's not me, you know, I could care less, honestly, at this point, if I came back to hunt in the state as a resident or not. But it would be really cool if other people that were in my position in the future don't have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy because so, yeah, all of this, the beginning of this confuses me because you you bought the tag, no problem, right? The mm-hmm. person at Walmart yep. or wherever you bought your tag from was not educated enough on the proper steps to where they uh, sh- that that ticket or that tag should have never been sold to you in the first place, right? So there's a right. process error yep. there um, because I mean that's mm-hmm. what I do for a living. I'm a process engineer, so I, I <laughs> like yep. I gotta figure out you know the most efficient way to do things, and if the outcome is you know if you have to have a certain outcome then you got to you know the process has to lead you to that outcome so number one you should have never been able to to buy a tag number two you did buy a tag and you did go out yeah. and you killed a deer with and used a tag normally the 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 weird part is is how did they even know that like someone showed up to your house did someone rat you yeah. out or did well that oh yeah, don't even. My head was spinning when I tried to figure that one yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, so, um, yeah. It, it, so that trust me, that all went through my head, and I'm trying to think who in the heck do I know? And you know, maybe. And I, I do have. There's a handful of people, and I'm sure everybody's got them. You know, if you if you hunted long enough, that you get. You know, they're the the people that you'd look at and be like, they're halfway shady with how they hunt, but they'd be the first person to point a finger at somebody else to kind of keep the spotlight off them a little bit. And I know a couple people like that. And so at first I wondered, you know, okay, did these people like, like you just said, like call the DNR officer, Hey, uh, I know this guy's living in Virginia, but he just shot a deer in Iowa. You might want to check it out. You know, he just came back for a weekend, you know, like stuff like that. Like you don't know if it's a tip line thing or whatever. And you know, your imagination can just run wild on it, especially when you're the one in that spotlight. But what I did find out, my dad actually, he was talking to a couple of buddies of his and I'm not sure who told him or, or how they know about it, but apparently, and this would be something someone would have to look up to, apparently that, uh, you know, the as technology increases, you know, game wardens and those guys and, and state offices use technology to their advantage. Well, apparently now um, there's certain states, and I don't know if it's all 50 states or if it's just certain ones right now that are using it, but they, they link their systems up for their computer systems for residency and stuff. So when someone goes and buys a tag in the state of Iowa, and in this, this is, this could be what flagged it. And this is kind of what I came to the conclusion on. And that's why, you know, I started looking at the, the residency stuff more is um, because I, I purchased a hunting license in Virginia under resident pricing and everything. I'm sure that Virginia system registered, you know, my name and my ID number and everything else under this qualification of, of whoever purchased it. Well, if Iowa systems linked up as well to that system, it can flag me if I come to the state of Iowa and purchase resident purchases and stuff like that. So I think that's how it ended up showing up. And I don't know if they just happened to be in the area and they saw this and said, Hey, well, you know, he's still here. Let's go investigate. Or, or if maybe someone did make a phone call, I don't know. But I, I, I think, feel... I think there's more legitimacy to the, to the systems being linked up, but yeah, yeah like but it happened said, so I, I've fast. never been told. I've never been told. From, it happened. From... Yeah. Within a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. Well, Unless it, it there, unless that system has uh, like flags that and you bought it, killed it, and then it flags up and then it goes to the county where you you know, to the area where mm-hmm. you bought it. Still, that they would have to identify you. Then they probably went to you know looked at a plat map, found the last name and the last name. Say, hey, are you related to this person? Yeah, he's my son. Whatever, blah blah blah. <laughs> like it just feels yeah, like and I just happened uh, to be like, in town. Yeah. yeah, just like detective work had to go into all this. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's, you know, and then of course there's all these things in my mind too, you know, it's like social media. I know game wardens use social media now. I've heard guys, you know, being a, a state park ranger, I had a lot of game warden buddies and stuff. And we, you know, they would talk, tell us stories about how these idiots that get out there and they poach animals. And the first thing they want to do is put a picture up and guess what? You know, we can look you up immediately once we have a name. And if you don't have a license and you're posting pictures and guess where they're going. So it's, uh, you know, it makes it easy. And so then I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, maybe they just happened to see I was in Earl Mile and I was posting it because I, I posted a few videos from the tree stand after I got it, you know, showing how excited I was and this and that. And I was like, man, maybe maybe they just thought, hey, let's just go check this guy out. And this all just came to be a, a, a factor in it, you know. Right. But so from a from like a legislation 
in law standpoint, it sounds like you've reached a couple dead ends. Uh, is this something that, like, that you're, I mean, now you don't have to worry about it, right? Because of your wife, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. But there's other people that may be suffering from this situation or maybe don't know about it or become educated on, on it from this podcast and knowing that, Hey, maybe I shouldn't be using a residency uh, tag. How, Yeah. I mean, is this something now that is in the, in the rear view mirror or are you still actively trying to get this law passed? So, you know, I kind of, once I hit, uh, that final dead end there uh, with the with the uh, governor's office and, and they quit taking my calls and they never did return my calls uh, and because that was where I had started gaining the most traction uh, and then it turned into a dead end as well it just kind of it, it was one of those things you know I was so passionate about it and I was so fired up about it in the you know when it happened in the in the almost a year after it happened and everything that I was really driving for it um, and then it just kind of got put on the back burner. And then next thing, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it anymore, but I, you know, I've told the story countless times to buddies at hunting camps and different things like that. Uh, and everybody's of the same opinion. You know, if, if you pay taxes and you do the X, Y, and Z for the state, you should be able to hunt there. You know, it, it, when I have those conversations, it kind of gets like, Oh, you know, maybe I should try again, but I have never really done it. And then actually, uh, I submitted the idea for the article. Uh, you know, I've been writing for the Iowa sports now for probably close to, well, I think I, I wrote several articles on Virginia, so probably three or four years now, maybe. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I've done a lot of hunting related stuff, but I've never really gotten into the nuts and bolts of something. This was just a story that I felt like kind of should be told sometime. And I'd submitted it a while ago, uh, you know, for review to, to see if it was something they'd want to take on. And uh, and it just now came back up again. It resurfaced. So it's like one of those nagging things that just doesn't really go away. And, you know, it's, it's not right. And I don't like the way it sits, but you know, I, I just hope maybe, like you said, maybe some other people will hear about it. And I've kind of come to peace with it now. And I've just, you know, I've kind of said it is what it is. And I'll enjoy hunting in these other states while I can. And uh, if we move back to Iowa, great. Then I'll worry about hunting in Iowa then. I've just, I've put off for myself hunting in Iowa as a, as a realistic possibility. I just don't want to mess with it. But, um, you know, it, it is one of those things, though, as, an, as I'm still an Iowa resident to this day. And I know tax season's coming and I'm going to write that check. And it's going to make me think about it then. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things, like you said, I, I hope to maybe get some people thinking about it and educated on it. And if there are other people out there that are in this position, like you said, maybe save them the grief of going through, you know, the, the same stuff that I had to go through or, uh, you know, or vice versa. You know, maybe it'll say, hey, wow, I didn't even think I could go back to Iowa to hunt. You know, maybe that's something we should really try to change. And so hopefully, you know, the whole goal of, of the article and the whole goal of this, too, is isn't so much to shed light on, on myself or my situation. It's more to I would really like to you know, get people to open their eyes and, and realize that, you know, if you're a legal resident of a state, you follow all the rules, you do all this and that. I mean, everything about it, you know, I was following the rules the whole way. Didn't realize, you know, that this was just a gray area that we fell into. Uh, maybe we should fix that gray area. And either way, you know, if it's, if it's black and white, it's one thing, but when it's a gray area and it's a law, I don't, you know, I think a lot of guys, when it comes to game rules and stuff too, you'll find that, uh, you might talk to this game warden and he says something this way and you go two counties over, you'll talk to that game warden and he would do something totally different. But it's all based, a lot of it's based on the opinion of the person versus saying, no, this is the black and white rule that it is. And when it comes to something that's a residency, you know, description for someone that is a resident of the state and they're doing everything right, I don't think that this should be an issue for them. Right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you, you know, you bring up a lot of really good points. And, you know, I feel that, there shouldn't be any gray area. It is either black or right. it is white, right? And gray area yep. just leads to confusion and gray area leads to someone's opinion and then opinions differ and all these things. And we don't like that. So, um, yeah. Right. So hopefully someone listens to this and they say, Hey, I want to change that. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day, hopping on the podcast and sharing the story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Aaron for taking time out of his day all the way from Montana to hop on the podcast and chat with us about residency for uh, servicemen and women. And uh, if you haven't already, be sure to check out the Iowa Sportsman podcast. Uh, subscribe to it wherever you download uh, podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever. It's available all those places. Also, be sure to go to iowasportsman.com 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com. Check out the website and check out all the social media, Facebook, and I believe there's an Instagram uh, page coming too. Be sure to like and share. And that's it for this week. Enjoy the outdoors here in Iowa, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.